The men crawling forward were aware of the risks they were being ordered to take. The 8th Devons had already felt the vicious impact of a German barrage line and the lash of concentrated machine gun fire two weeks earlier on July 1st. They knew what would happen if anything went wrong. From 2.30 a.m. to 3.20 a.m. was a period of horrid suspense. Everything depended on whether or not the Bosch got wind of what was happening. The 8th were engaged during this time in crawling up the 1,000 yards that separated Caterpillar Wood from the snout. If the Bosch had spotted them, a few shells and machine guns might have spoiled everything. I listened and listened. The night seemed quieter than usual, and only an occasional shell fell on either side. Still, the suspense continued till 3.20, when I knew the hurricane bombardment of five minutes was due to start. 3, all quiet. 3.05, all quiet. 3.10, a few of our own machine guns just behind me, pipping away. 3.15, all quiet again. 3.18, 3.19, 3.20. Then every gun for miles around gave tongue, and as the shells hurtled overhead, I almost felt sorry for the Bosch. One thing was already certain. The surprise had succeeded. Chaplain Ernest Cross, 8th and 9th Battalions, Devonshire Regiment, 20th Brigade, 7th Division. It may have been only five minutes, but what a five minutes. This was everything that the original Somme bombardment was supposed to have been, but in the end had failed to deliver. This truly was the essence of destruction. The whole world broke into gunfire. It was a stupendous spectacle, the darkness lit up by thousands of gun flashes, the flicker of countless bursting shells along the northern skyline, followed a few minutes later by a succession of frantic SOS rockets and the glare of burning Hun ammunition dumps. Major Neil Fraser Teitler, D Battery, 149th Brigade, Royal Field Artillery, 30th Division. Under the cover of the bursting shells, the infantry moved still closer to the German line, intent on giving the survivors no chance of recovery when the barrage lifted. Although the artillery arrangements had once again been left in part to the discretion of the attacking divisions, there was overall a much greater emphasis on creating a genuine creeping barrage, moving in lethal synchronicity just in front of the attacking infantry, lifting some fifty yards in range every one and a half minutes to keep pace with their advance so that the troops could get as close as possible to the barrage, it was even arranged to fire only HE shells with delayed-action fuses to avoid them being detonated early from contact with any remaining trees and thus exploding prematurely directly above the troops. The end result was a stunning success. At 0325, the assaulting infantry pressed forward on the very heels of the line of bursting shells, and they crashed into the remnants of the German front line, where they found little but the dead and dying. In many sectors, there was almost no serious opposition. There was no one left to oppose. There were no trenches left worthy of the name. The Germans had been simply swept away in the tide of bursting shells. In the 9th Division sector, the Scots burst through the front line and vaulted across two more trench lines in their initial impetus, preceded as they were by the barrage of bursting shells. Naturally, in places, there remained pockets of resistance that had to be broken down. The 9th Scottish Rifles were involved in some bitter hand-to-hand -hand fighting as they attacked the Longval Redoubt.